0: Welcome to Episode 8 of LAOFC Weekly. I am Scott Menzel, and I'm all by myself this week, but I'm very excited to be talking about the best and worst movies of the Toronto International Film Festival. Stay tuned. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movie. Oh. Expected to do this show by myself, but I am. Ah! I really was not expecting to do this show all by myself today, but unfortunately, uh, my wife Ashley Menzel, had an emergency that came up last night and was not able to attend this episode. So you get a throwback if you've ever seen a YouTube video with me from like five or six years ago, where I did YouTube videos talking about movies. This is going to be an entire episode where I'm gonna recap my thoughts and my feelings of the 2018 toronto international film festival it was a incredible year this year there are going to be so many films that people are going to continuously talk about throughout award season and probably into the next couple of years because there's a lot of great stuff that premiered at the festival so How this is going to go is I'm going to spend most of the time talking about the positives. There there really wasn't that many negatives at the festival, at least the movies that I saw. But I do want to talk about the best movies first because I feel like that's what everyone wants to hear. What are the movies that you're going to hear a lot about coming in this upcoming awards season and the ones that have the most exposure and the most hype and whatnot. So... I'm kind of going to jump around a lot. I want to also say that I'm not going to do a standard like this is number one, this is number 10. I'm just going to run down 10 movies in no particular order of uh, of the ones that I feel were the best of the best at the festival. So um, one of the movies that I want to talk about is actually one that I saw at the Telluride Film Festival, which went on to play at the Toronto International Film Festival and that is Boy Erased. Now, Boy Erased is uh, directed and written by Joel Edgerton, and it is based on a memoir by Gerard Conley. Now, this movie stars Lucas Hedges, Nicole Kidman, Russell Crowe, and Joel Edgerton, and it's about a young man who is sent away to gay conversion therapy. And this movie feels very raw. It's very emotional, and Lucas Hedges gives... Probably the best performance of his career so far in this movie. Um, It is a film that is very difficult to watch at times because it feels very authentic and it feels like something that someone has really experienced. It's it's something that you can tell that the actors, uh, Joel Edgerton himself, felt very connected to when bringing this story to life on the big screen. Uh, Nicole Kidman has had a fantastic award season so far. I know it hasn't even really officially started because neither of these movies have come out yet, but she's in a movie called Destroyer, which I didn't think the movie was that great, but her performance is spectacular. She is amazing in that. I can see her actually getting nominated for uh, best actress. But her role in this one, she's a supporting character and she's the the supporting actress role in this movie and she plays Lucas Hedges' mom. And they have this wonderful relationship throughout the film and the scenes between the two just feel so realistic. Like you're watching a real mother and son kind of talk about all these things going on in their lives and the fact that she kind of doesn't know what to make of her son being gay. And I really think this was an interesting story because in the film, Russell Crowe plays Lucas Hedges' father, and he's a a minister. So obviously, you know, in a small town, the church is not very open-minded. They look down upon homosexuality. So to send, you know, his son away to this gay conversion therapy it's just almost heartbreaking to see. But the what, what makes this movie so incredibly effective is kind of peeling back those layers of what it was like to be inside gay conversion therapy and the ridiculous um, practices that they do in this in this this this. Um, the way that they make people sit down and yell at one another and scream and, and, and say, oh, you hate your father. It's, you're angry about that. And and, and the, the beatings and all this stuff. It, it's, it's so shocking to me that we are in 2018 and this stuff is still going on. It's really, really upsetting and sad. But... I can see Boy Erase being one of those movies that you're going to hear so much about during award season. Because I think Lucas Hedges, Nicole Kidman, and Russell Crowe can all be nominated for various awards for this film and their performances. So I really enjoyed this. Uh, Next movie up is Fahrenheit 11.9. Not to be confused with Fahrenheit 9-11. Uh, this is the uh, new documentary from director Michael Moore. And uh, as, as you probably can tell from the trailer that came out a few weeks ago, it is not a pro-Trump movie. But if you know Michael Moore, that should be no surprise. What really shocked me about this movie is that it's, it's less structured than most of Michael Moore's documentaries. I, I've I've been a big fan of his uh, pretty much since the beginning with Roger and Me. I, I've watched the te- television series that he put out, uh, The Awful Truth. I've watched Bowling for Columbine. Every movie, I haven't missed one. Let's just put it that way. And this is by far the most angry, fi- the angriest film that I have seen from director Michael Moore. This is a movie that serves as a wake-up call to America and to my surprise, and I'm sure many others in the theater, um, Michael Moore is very much known for being a, a, a liberal, a Democrat, someone who, who preaches to the choir, so to speak. And, um, you know, I fall underneath his belief systems. I, I follow his politics, and I believe in his politics. But what's so surprising about this movie is how... Upset he is, and how he goes after everyone. He shows how the Democrats don't really do anything, and that the Republicans, you know, you know, remain strong and they don't cave in like the Democrats do. Um, there's a lot of topics that are, are are discussed. If you've seen other Michael Moore movies like Fahrenheit uh, 9/11, the whole entire movie is just Bush bashing. You know, one of his weakest movies in my opinion because it is just. Him bashing Bush the entire time, you know that the entire movie is just him whining about Bush and saying, "Oh, look at all these bad things that he did." But in this one, he does attack Donald Trump, and the movie opens up with Donald Trump being elected and all the the Hollywood glamour of like George Clooney and all these people saying, Oh, there's no way that Donald Trump's going to get elected." but we know the reality now we know that he's in office he is the president of the united states and after that introduction and the whole question of how the hell did we get here you know it not only talks about how donald trump got there but it almost picks up right where fahrenheit 911 left off and we we see some aspects of the obama era and 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 some of the things that he did that were not really that positive, like the whole Flint water crisis and how he went down to Flint, Michigan and, you know, did this ridiculous photo op where he lifted his glass and put it to his lips and he barely took a sip to say, oh, yeah, the water here is safe. And I thought that was very bold because I never seen Michael Moore really go over, go, go against or attack. A president who was a Democrat, who 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 was beloved in a lot of ways. People love Barack Obama, and to kind of see him be this angry and point that out uh, is something very special. I also want to say that they talk about the Bernie Sanders situation and how he was supposed to be the Democratic candidate, but how it was rigged. Uh, he talks about the Parkland uh, shooting. there. They're, this is less structured. It's kind of all over the place, but. To me, I felt like this was a really effective film because it's just showing you, like, look at how much, pardon my French, the world has gone to shit. The world has gone to hell. And Michael Moore, whether you love him or hate him, I know there's some stuff going on with him right now in the the news. um, I always feel like he's been a whistleblower. Uh, you know, I know he 's done stuff that certain people have criticized him for about like highlighting certain aspects and making a bigger deal out of certain things, but I applaud Michael Moore for always being the man to make a documentary about important topics and about important themes and really just showing a side of a story that he feels so passionately about regardless of whether you believe in the side that he's talking about. Uh, this one, like I said, is more well-rounded. It's more structured. And he's so angry in this movie. I mean, I don't know how else to describe it. It's just, it's an angry film. And if you've seen a Michael Moore documentary, you know that all his movies end on this like voiceover of him coming on there and being like, well, what can we do America? How can we solve this problem? And then he gives like these solutions and, this one, it cuts to, he starts doing that. It cuts to video footage of showing, like, beatings and police brutality and all this stuff. And it doesn't give you that hopeful message. It doesn't. But throughout the movie, you can see, like, the kids of Parkland who are really fighting for change and fixing the system. So I, I, I really enjoy this film. I, I think it's it's one of Michael Moore's strongest documentaries. Um, And I think even if you fall outside of the liberal democratic spectrum, there are certain things about this movie that you will appreciate. And it really is a wake up call to America. Um, Moving on to another film that I saw. It is A Star is Born. And this one is directed by Bradley Cooper. He also wrote the movie. He produced the movie. He is invested in this movie um, if you have If you watch Meet the Movie Press earlier today, you know Simon Thompson um, made mention uh after the show that Bradley Cooper is going around to all the theaters making sure that the sound quality in the theaters playing A Star is Born is up to par because he wants you to experience the remarkable soundtrack that is featured in this film. Now, I will be honest and say to you that I wasn't really sure what to make about this movie because I know a lot of people were really excited because people love Bradley Cooper People love Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga is a rock star you know she, she's a pop star, but she is a rock star because she has sold out so many shows she's she's toured with her own you know people and done that whole makeup thing where she was being crazy and then she went on to do a tour with Tony Bennett. she's a a, a phenomenal singer, uh, regardless of whether you like her politics. she is just a phenomenal personality singer and now. An amazing actress. Um, I the movie *A Star Is Born* is basically what describes Lady Gaga's new career as an actress. This is a star being born in this performance. She is riveting in this film. She is heartbreaking. She is devastating, and it is so nice to see Lady Gaga take off all that makeup and just be her, be her. She is. She is. In a lot of ways, I feel playing an extension or maybe even herself in this film, but the performance is so emotional and so raw that this is one of the ones that I feel is going to be the talk of award season. Everyone's going to be watching this movie and talking about Lady Gaga's performance. Not to say that Bradley Cooper is not incredible in this film, too, because this is one of the best Bradley Cooper performances as well. Um, you can tell he's so invested in telling the story. His chemistry with Lady Gaga is so perfected; it's it's just beautiful and touching. And there's another movie I'll be talking about in a few movi- in a few minutes. There's actually a couple of them that deals with addiction. And Star is Born is the first of three movies that I'll be talking about today that deals with addiction. And what I love so much about this one is that it shows that life goes on. Just because someone has an alcohol addiction or a drug addiction means that the world doesn't stop. You have to keep going. And there's an incredible scene in this film where Lady Gaga goes on stage to, uh, I think she's going to get her uh, her Grammy Award. And Bradley Cooper's character follows her up. And he passes out because he's like, I don't know if he's high or drunk or a combination of the of the two, but he passes out on the side of the stage and starts screaming. And he's like, look, babe, there you are on the screen. And, you know, you're watching Lady Gaga and she's just she's so embarrassed by this. But she keeps giving the speech and she she tries to, like, comfort her husband from afar. And it's just a remarkable moment because you realize that. This is something that people deal with every day. And we we can't stop and sit there and say, oh, you know what? Hold on a second. I got to go help my husband off the floor. You have to continue on. And this movie shows that throughout the movie of what it's like to deal with someone who's an addict and how the bad times and the fights, you know, are devastating and heartbreaking to endure. But at the same time, you you have to give the person the benefit of the doubt that they want to change and that they're going to get better. And sometimes they just don't. That's the reality of addiction. And I feel like this movie handles that so incredibly well. And it's done in such a beautiful package with an amazing soundtrack. I will tell you right now that there is no way that this movie will not get nominations for Best Actor, Best Director probably, and Best Actress, but also... Best original song. This soundtrack is going to break records. I this is remember Greatest Showman last year. Everyone loved that. I including myself loved that soundtrack and it went on and on and on. And you heard that This Is Me song everywhere. Every one of the songs in this movie is just phenomenal. And it, it just showcases not only Lady Gaga's talent as a singer, but Bradley Cooper, who is is doing this remarkable. Almost tribute or homage to Sam Elliott throughout this movie with his voice and his singing talent is is just amazing as well. So um, this one is going to be another one that you are going to hear nonstop buzz and praise going into award season. And, man, uh, I cannot recommend this movie enough. It's terrific. Um My favorite movie, and and I know I said I wasn't going to do like actual numbers, but my absolute favorite movie at the Toronto International Film Festival this year was The Hate You Give, which is based on a young adult novel. And it's a film that examines uh, police uh, shootings and brutality and neighborhoods that go unnoticed because. You know, the government and the system just fails to look at these 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 families and these kids and the lives of you know people who are forced to go into the drug trade and all this stuff. And it stars uh Amandla Amanda uh I always butcher her name and I feel bad because this is her incredible Amanda Steinberg and Regina Hall and Russell Hornsby, Common and Anthony Mackey. And uh Steinberg in this film. Uh, I've been waiting for this from her. Uh, She's been in Everything, Everything. She was in um, The Darkest Minds, two films which just did not capture her talent whatsoever. And she was in another movie called *Where Hands Touch, which is also at Toronto International Film Festival, which I thought she was great in. But Steinberg in this one is just... Phenomenal. I mean, this is a performance well above her years, and the the performance is just so raw and so moving. But what's so nice about this film is, even though I was on the verge of tears, and I and I and I don't say this lightly, like I was holding back tears pretty much from the opening sequence of this film until the very end, because the images of what I was seeing are so powerful and so effective that you can't help but be sad that all this stuff is actually going on in the world right now and that families are dealing with this. And this movie also shows a, a, an element of social class. It, it, it talks about something that we've, we've talked about and heard about in so many movies this year, uh, whether it be Sorry to Bother You or Black Klansman, this idea of of black people having to use the White Voice, or having to act differently around white people, and her character in this movie goes to school in a different area, and that area uh, is full of white privileged kids, and they don 't understand the first thing about her life she tries to 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 lead a, a double life in a lot of ways of keeping her home life. Uh, separated from her school life and even the, the people she associates with, she doesn't combine the two. Uh, I, I, I haven't been this moved and this deeply affected or impacted by a film in quite some time. Uh, I've talked a lot on um, Black Tomatoes about this, but I've, I grew up in a mixed-race household and uh, I have four black brothers and i I love them as my own, and I have seen them go through these things that are somewhat addressed in this film. I'm not talking about the extreme. I don't have a family member think, 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 thank who the lucky stars that was involved in a you know police shooting. But I have seen people being wrongfully accused or being judged by their skin color and and, and walking into a room and seeing how that is. And this movie just just perfectly rings true to that. And the imagery is powerful. The statement that it makes about voices and standing up for what you believe in and um, just to be a decent human being and the unfair treatment of People of Color it is just such a powerful statement in this movie, and I, I love it, and it, it is my favorite film of the year so far. Um, moving on, as you can see, these are, these are all upbeat movies so far that I talked about. Um, really, when you go to a film festival, I, I have to point out that majority of the things that you do see are, are very heavy, and they're very um, serious, and, and they take a lot out of you as a, as a critic and as a viewer. Um, I see three to four movie three to five movies I should say a day. So every once in a while when I when I see the next movie on my list, it, it's a very welcome change. And that movie, of course, is Halloween, which you know, fans have been waiting for this after Rob Zombie pretty much destroyed everything that um John Carpenter set out to do with his original. It's just devastating what Rob, Rob Zombie did with those two movies that we don't even mention. People just forget that they even exist. But I will say that David Gordon Green, who got the permission of John Carpenter to go ahead and be part of this film, has created something that fans have been waiting 40 years to see. This is the best Halloween film since the original. And I know that's a bold statement to make because this is a franchise that people adore. But this movie gets everything right. It's 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 about female female empowerment without being preachy about it. It's all about Jamie Lee Curtis and her waiting for Michael Myers. It's the passing of the knife, as I like to say, from generation to generation it is a really well crafted film that has a ton of scares it has a lot of blood but it also del- showcases how Jamie Lee Curtis has truly made this character Laurie Strode her own and that no one can replace her as this character this this role is iconic and some of the dialogue in this film will make audiences cheer. I was at the Midnight Madness premiere, and I mean, people went crazy for this movie. And uh, fan, fanboys and fangirls uh, are going to love this. I, I have seen a couple reviews that have not been as kind to this movie, but I do feel like people sometimes go in expecting a little bit too much. Uh, I think this hits all the right beats. I think it's the story that fans want. Um, You know, some people may say that's a little bit too much fan service. But for a franchise like this, I think this is something that people are going to see over and over again. And Blumhouse has done it again with this movie. Uh, I foresee this one being one of the biggest horror films of, of, you know, the next couple of years. I really do. I, I see this one doing dynamite at the box office. All right. Next movie up is Ben is Back, which is directed and written by Peter Hedges, who is the father of Lucas Hedges, who was not only in Boy race but he was also in a movie called Mid-90s, which I'm not going to talk about because I was very underwhelmed by that film. Um, But this one is a personal story to Peter Hedges. You can tell when you watch this movie that um, he is someone who has dealt with someone in his life that was struggling or has battled or he has lost due to addiction. And this one tackles drug addiction, and Lucas Hedges plays the son in the movie. His mother is played by Julia Roberts, and the stepfather is played by Courtney B. Vance. This film is told in a series of 24 hours. And the reason why the title is called Ben is Back is because Julia Roberts is coming home and she's in the car with her her two stepkids as well as Lucas Hedges' sister in the film. And they pull up to the house and Ben, uh, played by Lucas Hedges, is just standing there. And they're all confused why he's there. It's Christmas Eve. How did he get out of rehab? And it's told, the the film is told over a period of 24 hours. And through this 24 hours, we watch Ben struggle with his addiction. But we also get to see this family, in a lot of ways, kind of fall apart again as they deal with a kid who is struggling with overcoming his addiction. I want to say that Julia Roberts has not been this good since Closer, the film Closer, Mike Nichols's film. This performance is one that I think I don't I don't want to say for sure that's going to be one of the, the talks of award season, but I can see it becoming one. It is just a passionate performance. And one where you can see in her eyes, in her delivery, that she is really into this role. And she feels the pain and the mother's love that she wants her son Ben to be, you know, free of these demons, these, this, this addiction that he's fighting. And the movie takes this really weird turn of events where you set up and you really get to know this character of Ben. And you like him. But as the film goes on, something happens in their home and they go on this car ride together. And as they go on this journey, Julia Roberts gets to see Ben and his secrets. And it's kind of devastating to watch. It's very realistic. It's very raw. And it's not a movie that's showy. So there's a lot of buildup in this movie about, oh, what's going on with the addiction what's what's going on with the past and there aren't scenes where you really see someone shooting up or doing anything but rather just this idea of okay this is something that happened in the past but we're not going to show you what it is leave it up to the imagination and i can't tell you how much more effective that is like you're the entire movie you're like thinking like what did this kid do that is so bad what 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 caused him to go into rehab and as the movie goes on, you get this little like these little tidbits of like he interacts with someone and you learn something about this girl who you know he was her drug dealer and 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 how the the family must have felt that she has lost her life and the mother, you know, seeing this through the eyes of the mother, of anyone, you can, you, you don't have to be a mother, it can be a father, whatever. You just, you feel this passion and this sorrow as she sits there and she just goes through this, this journey with, with her son as she learns things about his past that she had no idea even existed and how devastating and heartbreaking that must be for her. And I think the time frame of doing it over 24 hours gives the movie a real sense of urgency. And it makes you feel like this passion towards these characters. And I really enjoy this film tremendously. And I think Julia Roberts, like I said, I don't know if she's going to be nominated, but I can see her being maybe one of the runners up. I haven't seen all the movies coming out for award season yet, but she could be in there. So I'm just pointing that out. All right, moving on. We got four more in terms of the best. Uh, I want to talk about Steve McQueen's latest film, Widows, which feels like a homage to Quentin Tarantino, Martin Scorsese, uh, Michael Mann. It stars Viola Davis, Michelle uh, Rodriguez, Elizabeth Debicki, Liam Neeson, and Robert Duvall. Now, I saw this movie very early in the morning after the premiere screening and everyone was raving about, it. oh, you have to see Widows and you have to see Widows. So I made a, made it a priority to go see this movie. And I have to say that it's very different for Steve McQueen. I I think this movie showcases how versatile of a director he is. And this is a genre that he has never done before, but it is so well done. And these characters, I mean, this. you talk about another movie of female empowerment. I, and I, I will compare this movie to Ocean's 8 because Ocean, Ocean's 8 to me was such a disappointment because the highlight of Ocean's 8 is uh, Anne Hathaway playing Anne Hathaway. And she's great in the movie. But this one, you get to see Viola Davis as a badass. Michelle Rodriguez doing something different then Fast and the Furious, and a breakout performance by Elizabeth Debicki. She is so good in this movie. She is the reason to see this movie. And her character goes from being really kind of cutesy and funny to really dark and serious. And I love the switch in her personality. Um, This one, it's, it's hard to say. A lot of people are talking about this one. Is it going to be awards contender? And I don't know, because is it a great action movie? Is it a great, like, crime drama? Yes, it's really good. It has some powerful imagery. But I don't know if it has what it takes to be an awards movie. Like, we have such a strong year for movies this year. I mean, I'm thinking back to... You know, Black Panther and Black Klansmen and A Quiet Place and Hereditary and Won't You Be My Neighbor. I mean, Tully. There there's so many great movies that kinda came out in the first half of the year. And then these movies that I already talked about and a few more on this list, it's hard to really say if Widows is going to have that award season presence. Um I would think just like Julia Robertson in Ben is Back, it might be a runner-up. But if I was going to say anything, I, I really think that Elizabeth Debicki should be the one who's getting a lot of award season praise. Um, again, I love Viola Davis. She is a remarkable actress who can take on any role. Um, but really, Debicki was the one who really stood out in this film to me and was really someone that gave a performance that I didn't expect, and I thought she was just phenomenal in this movie. Um, Robert Duvall, it's also great to see him, uh, kind of plays like this the shady politician who's um, quite racist, I guess you can say. Um, a really strange role for him, but it proves once again that Duvall, even I don't know how old he is, he's got to be in his like late 70s, early 80s, can just dominate the screen whenever he is on, on there. Uh, so I really did like widows. Um, I, I think it, it has a lot of potential. I think fans who, who are like missing that, um, Martin Scorsese type film, like Goodfellas or heat are, are going to love the hell out of this one. It is, it is really a great film. I just don't know if it's an award contender. Um, a smaller movie that I've seen that I absolutely loved is a Kristen Stewart, Laura Dern film called Jeremiah, Terminator, Leroy. And this is about an author named Laura Albert, played by Laura Dern. And this is based on a true story um, about J.T. Leroy. And J.T. Leroy is not a real person, if you don't know this story. But this author pretty much wrote a bunch of books that fabricated this person. And when there was so much popularity around these books, she went to her sister-in-law, who, uh, in which this movie is based on the memoir of, uh, Savannah Knope. And she is played by Kristen Stewart in the film. And what's what's so interesting about this movie in my mind is that Kristen Stewart (laughs) is so perfect for this role. And she's so born to play this character because part of it feels like you're watching Kristen Stewart in reality. And I know my wife, Ashley, who was supposed to be doing this show with me today has mentioned that, is this a case of life Um, art imitating life. And I feel like on some hand, in some ways it is, but this story is so remarkable. And Stewart just embodies this character in a way that you forget that you are watching Kristen Stewart and she does become JT Leroy. And sure, that might have to do with how much she hates the spotlight, but the, it does also speak to how incredible of an actress she is and how she can just get lost in performances. And it's weird because as the movie goes on, you really see her becoming stronger as a person and being more vocal. She she, she was someone, her character Savannah, uh, Savannah was someone who is very almost like, Uh, I'll just go with the flow type person, right? Like she didn't really um, fight anything. She just kind of went along with everything. And as she gets more and more invested in the story, which I mean is, is wild. If you think about it, this, this was a film. Well, not a film, but this was a story that actually happened during a time where we were, where we had the internet at our fingertips, where people were on the internet and how, People who read books, who are are so invested and engaged in stories, did not find it odd that this went on for, I think, a period of uh, five or six years where Savannah just went around playing, pretending to be a man and playing JT Leroy. And she went on tours and did speeches and so few people called her out on it and, and no one thought it was weird, even though like Laura Dern plays the author, but she also has like this alternate personality where she goes along the road with JT Leroy and she speaks for her or speaks for him. And it's, 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 it's wild and crazy and weird. I, I don't know. I, I, I really was taken back by this film because it, it's one of those movies where the truth is stranger than fiction And I I found this I found when watching this movie that I was just so heavily engaged uh, about how this all played out and how bizarre and weird it was. But how incredible it was that everyone kind of went along with it for so long. Um, I should also mention that um, Diane Kruger is in the film. She plays a actress who wants to buy the rights to uh, JT Leroy's story. And that is also based uh, in in truth on another actress who I will not mention, but you should look up this story. It's pretty phenomenal. Again, uh, I don't know if this movie is going to go uh, places. I don't, I don't think it's going to get a major release. I, c- I can see it being picked up by a smaller studio and have a nice little uh, round on the indie circuit. But I do recommend checking this one out. I really, really enjoyed it. Um Moving on to, uh, well, we're almost two in to the last movies of the best. Uh, I want to talk about Hotel Mumbai. And Hotel Mumbai is by a director, uh, Anthony Maris. And this was a film that came as a recommendation. Uh, I wasn't really sure that I was going to see this film, but I went to see it off of a recommendation from a distributor. And they said, you need to see this movie. It talks about the Mumbai attacks in 2008 and it is devastating to watch. Really just a powerful film, really, really difficult to sit through. The violence is, is just brutal. I mean, you see blood flying out of people's heads. The, these, these terrorists did not hold back and this film is such a realistic portrayal of terrorism. And um, I don't know when it's going to be released, but it does star um, – Dev Patel, Army Hammer, Jason Isaac, uh, just a really great film and uh, powerful stuff. I don't want to give too much away. It, it, it's, all you need to know is that most of the movie takes place in a hotel. It's about the Mumbai attacks in 2008, and it's brutal, really, really brutal, but a must-see movie from me. Uh, lastly, um, I'm not going to be able to talk about the uh, worst films, which there wasn't that many. I will just Let me just run through this real quick. The the disappointing films for me were The Sisters Brothers, The Lie, Beautiful Boy, and First Man. I'll probably talk to them, tune into to uh, Black Tomatoes. I might be able to get, get to some of them uh, later on that show. That is on Sunday at 5 p.m. on Black Hollywood Live. But for the last movie, before I have to go, I want to talk about Green Book, which is a Peter Farrelly movie. Now, Peter Farrelly is the guy who has directed... Uh, so many bizarre comedies. I mean, he he's done There's Something About Mary. He's done Dumb and Dumber, Dumb and Dumber 2. He's a comedy guy. And this movie is a dramedy, which is a nice change of pace for him. It's also the first time that Peter has worked without his brother by his side. And I think this is a terrific film. It is a Oscar film but it's not the standard Oscar film for many reasons. Unlike a lot of the other movies that I talked about today, it tackles very serious issues like sexuality and racism and the whole Jim Crow law that existed in the the 60s. But it's very lighthearted and funny. It's it's a buddy road trip comedy and it stars um Vigo uh uh Vigo Mortensen and al Ali. And these two play this oddball duo, and they just work so well together. Their dialogue is fantastic. The chemistry is off the charts. And it's a somewhat depressing film, but at the same time, it's the feel-great film of the year. It makes you think about certain aspects of life and racism and sexual orientation and having to pretend once again pretending to act one way around you know certain people and another way around other people again this this topic has been so much at the forefront of so many films this year, and this one it, it does so in such a, a a positive and comedic way that that feels very lighthearted and fun so greenbrook uh, Green book comes out very soon i think it 's november twenty first Highly, highly recommended. Um, If the Oscars want to really change stuff up this year, they would nominate Green Book. I do see it being nominated for Golden Globes, for sure. I don't know about the Oscars, but if they want a nice change of pace, I think this is a movie that they should be looking at. So that does it. Um, I apologize. I I kind of ran out of time. It's amazing that I did this show by myself and I was able to uh, get through 50 minutes without even doing everything that I wanted to do. But... Um those are the best movies that I feel I saw at TIFF. There were a lot of other movies I saw about 30 movies in total. Um sh- surely there was a lot of great other films. Um I just wanted to kind of narrow this down and give my 10 best, but uh, thank you so much for watching this episode. Next week, we will be back. We will have a full panel. Uh, we're going back to our normal schedule, our normal programming where we're going to be talking about like the movie pick of the week again, and we're probably going to start doing a segment every week about um, award season since we are now officially in the season, so we will start that next week, and I'll have a, a full panel with me, and it won't just me- be me talking for an hour. So, thank you so much for watching. Thank you for supporting this show. Um, I really do appreciate everyone in our organization appreciates it. they love doing this show. It's very, it's very much a passion for everyone. We, we, we love cinema. We love, we love talking about this stuff. So thank you for supporting it. Uh, if you want to catch more of me, you can go to we Uh, I also do meet the movie press, which is on every Friday at 9am on popcorn talk network. And then also Black Tomatoes with Carla Renata, which is on Black Hollywood Live at 5 p.m. Until next time, guys, thank you so much for watching, and I'll see you next week. Take care. From producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com.